Mr. Benfica is a production of the PTB Media Network. All rights reserved. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, CastBox, Overcast, Himalaya, Pod Paradise, TuneIn, Breaker, and now available on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and also on Audible for Amazon Prime subscribers. As always, select episodes available on YouTube and, of course, at www.mrbenfica.com. Please like, share, and rate the show on your preferred platform. Enjoy the show. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to episode 104 of Mr. Benfica. I am your host, as always, the Mr. Mike Agustinu. And how are y'all doing this week? It's time to talk Benfica again. And I know it's been a little while. The, the match schedule has been all over the place with Friday matches and Tuesday matches and Friday matches. And it's just, it's just a little bit out of whack right now. And also, I'm including... The women's team and, and the phenomenal run they're on right now. It's just been so much to talk about. But here we are again. And in time for today's matches, we got two on tap for Tuesday, the 12th of January. Which by the time you hear this, you may have already heard of or seen those matches, I should say. As we got the women's team first kicking off at 7.45 Lisbon time. They're in the cup final. On Wednesday, and on Tuesday, excuse me, on Tuesday, the 12th of January, they will be playing Sporting Braga once again, like they did last week. And we're going to talk, we're going to start tonight's episode with last week's Benfica Braga women's match in the League Cup final. Now, both of these finals are attributed to last season. They are the 2019 2020 uh, finals. And, um,. We're going to start the episode in, in tonight talking about the women's final against Braga in Aveiro last Wednesday and then give a little preview of what to possibly expect in today's final. And then after that match, all right, later tonight, a late kickoff in Lisbon, of course, um, you have 
I believe it's a nine nine fifteen or nine forty five kickoff in Lisbon in their local time. You have Estrela Amador or Football Club Estrela to be precise, taking on our Sport Lisboa Benfica round five of the Taça de Portugal, the round of sixteen. A space in the quarterfinals is on the line, and anything other than a convincing victory will be on. Un- unacceptable for Benfica and I have obviously at the time of recording about 24 hours less than 24 hours probably 20 out 20 hours or so uh, away from kickoff I have no idea as to what type of lineup George Zuz is going to put on the pitch tomorrow in his old stadium in the stadium he grew up in in the historic Rubuleira in Amadora so it'll be interesting to see but uh, yeah that's what's on tap tonight we're going to talk about these two these two stories, the Women's League Cup Final and Befica's 2-0 victory over Tondela on Friday at the Stadio de Luge in the Liga Nage. All right, we're going to take a quick break, then we're going to have a quick run of the news. Not very long. There's a little bit of news, but um, we're going we're gonna to be doing it quick so I can get this out to you and get you uh, all caught up in time for Tuesday's matches. All right, so we're going to have Reconquista and then the news on the other side, and then we'll get into the two matches that we're here to talk about tonight. This is Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu, and you can follow this show on Twitter at Benfica Mr. on Instagram at Mr. Benfica, and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica. Don't forget, of course, to check out MrBenfica.com, www.MrBenfica.com. There's a new blog post up there now, and it's my immediate um, my immediate reaction to the Women's Cup Final. Check it out. I've got some stuff in there. There's, there's highlights in there for you to see it as well, so you can see the goals for yourself, all right? And there's also now a player on www.MrBenfica.com where you can listen to the Parking the Bus podcast as well as Mr. Benfica podcast. So there are two players there now. All right, going to take that quick break, and we'll be right back. Jornada sofrida, a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que não fico por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós Até que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós Não o carregas sozinho em cada esquina um vizinho Sente o carinho do Algarve até ao Minho O vermelho pinta a tuga e é isso o teu colinho Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que não vi por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo 
Nós somos o eterno brilho And in the news this week, we start, of course, with football, men's football to be exact, and it is transfer season, and the first one appears to be done and officialized, or it's not officialized yet, but it seems to be uh, agreed to in principle, and that is that Maritimus Rodrigo Pinho has reportedly signed to join with Benfica at the end of the season um, on a free transfer, of course, from Maritimo, the Brazilian striker. Currently has seven goals in the Liga Nage and six in the Taça de Portugal. However, it's broken in the last 24 hours that it's now being reported. JJ wants does not want to wait until next season for the player. He wants the club to bring the player in in this transfer window. Again, Rodrigo Pinho at the time of recording just had a monstrous match tonight. He uh, had a goal and an assist. A big hand in eliminating Sporting Clube Portugal from the Taça de Portugal. And if, if JJ wasn't hungry to bring him in before, he certainly is now. And if he wanted, if, if he made those comments that he wanted to bring the player in uh, before the end of the market, before this match, I'm sure he's going to double down on that now. Rodrigo Pinho has scored against Porto Sporting and Benfica this year. Other transfer rumors surrounding our club at the moment, and I don't like to talk about rumors, but the ones that seem to have some 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 steam and are somewhat interesting to talk about is, of course, the one everyone's been pointing to, and that is the possibility of Benfica signing former or signing current Portugal national team player and former Sporting player William Carvalho from Real Betis, possibly on a loan, possibly on a permanent. Or alone with an option for a buy at the end, also a possibility. And it's just, and um, well, this is, I think, another divisive move. Uh, I, I don't want to say it's divisive because, well, we can't sit here week after week and say this team doesn't have a six and then say we don't want William Carvalho. Okay, um, not everybody wants William Carvalho. That is, that is more than obvious. Um, yes, there are facets of his game that don't match up well with Benfica. We are already very, very slow up the middle of the park, and some will say we're just adding another slow player. However, those who think that we need a six, well, this is a classic JJ six. Obviously, the manager wants this player. He's worked with them before. He knows him. He knows JJ's system. He knows what JJ wants from people, and I think he's hungry to prove himself as he's having a hard time of it um, at Real Betis in, in La Liga. And it hasn't gone as well for him as it should have when he left the Portuguese league. And with this being a Euro year, it is important for William Carvalho to get minutes. So I think he's hungry and he'll come in motivated. He'll do what he can do. Um, is what he does what we want? That's a decision that is to be made by the people in charge. But I I believe that he, he does what JJ wants. And I think what JJ wants, JJ gets right now. That seems to be... Um, where we are, or at least they're going to try to give J.J. what he wants. And I don't 
I don't doubt for a moment that if there is a possibility and if the player is open to coming to Benfica, then I think this deal will be done. I'm not 100% sold on the fact that this player wants to come to Benfica and also Spartan still believe they're in the running for him as well. So we'll have to wait and see how the William Carvalho story unfolds over the next couple of weeks. And then the latest, just breaking earlier today, out of Argentina, the Argentine press are reporting Enzo Perez is possibly on his way back to Benfica. Yeah, they're reporting that he is possibly leaving River Plate to return to Benfica and to his old manager, Jorge Jesus. It's going to be a long month of this. I mean, I, I don't know. We How many times do we go through these windows and we just see endless numbers of players associated with Benfica? I'm still burnt out from the Cavani the Cavani is a soap opera of the summer, to be honest with you. I am still burnt out. I don't even want to invest any energy or any time into transfers. Um, I like the Rodrigo Pinho signing. That is a good signing. I think I know he's older in years, but I like that. He's coming in with maturity and with and with experience. He knows how to score goals. He can get assists. Very much an older version of Darwin Nunez. Maybe not as gifted technically, but he can do a lot of things. And he's used to playing on bad teams and used to working to create that half a yard of space that we can't seem to create in the penalty area, especially against teams that like to back it, you know, back down against us and to pack it in. So I think he could be uh, serviceable. I don't think by any means this is the savior to all our problems, but it could be a piece that can help us overcome some of the difficulties we're having right now. I don't think there's any one piece that is going to fix this team. This team is is got a lot of flaws in it, and it's it's structural. They're, the team is built f- with flaws. It, it's the it's as clear as day. So the signing of any one player is not going to come in and just magically turn it around. Now. We'll get into it when we talk about the match. But certain players are starting to raise their level just a little bit. And we're starting to see a little bit of growth from some players. So um, it's interesting to see what's going to happen. But we have a lot of players for the same couple positions, if you notice. So I'm wondering I'm wondering if, um, I'm wondering if JJ's thinking of changing the system at all. Or if he's going to stick to this 4-4-2 and he's just, he just wants to keep trying different pieces until they fit. Only time is going to tell. We're going to move to women's football now in their own uh, transfer um, news. They've made a few signings of their own this week to strengthen the squad, you would hope, and um, I would expect, um, so that we can go out and fight for the championship, the Liga BPI title. Of course, uh, the league season starts for real this coming weekend. Okay, And um, Benfica don't yet know their opponent because... I'm sorry, it's not this coming week. It's next weekend on the 19th, um, the 17th, something like that. Benfica do not yet know their opponent because that has not been determined because there's a match to still be made up from the first phase, the qualifying phase, if you will. So we'll have to wait and see who it is actually this weekend. Yes, the 17th, Benfica is scheduled to kick off against whoever gets that fourth spot out of the south zone. It'll either be Torreyens or Istoril. So we'll wait and see for that one. But um, here are some of the signings they made. Interestingly enough, they picked up a goalkeeper, Brazilian goalkeeper, Leticia Isidoro, joins from Corinthians, and another Brazilian player, Lorena Custodio, joins from America Mineiro. 
in Modalidad. A basketball must have heard my rant last week. They come back with two victories this week. Wins over Vitori Guimarães and Maya Basket by scores of 102, 60, and 93. 73 put the the Eagles back near you know the top three in the league, top four where they need to be. Because at the end of the day in basketball, it's all about the playoffs. You just got to get in. Of course, home court is important. But this year, I don't think home court's going to mean anything given that there's nobody in the in these arenas. There's nobody in these gyms. And as far away as football is from getting a crowd, the indoor sports are even further. So I'm not even going to get hopes up for that for this year. But um, a, a, a nice little run of a two-game win streak. Hopefully, Mifika will keep that going. Uh, rink hockey loses to Porto. There, I don't think there's any surprise there. Uh, men's futsal with a pair of wins, 15-2 over San Juanense and 4-0 over Modicos to take over first place in the Liga Placard. And women's hockey beats San Juanense 9-0 and continues atop their league. Now for the whip around, the Liga Nage round 13. Here are all of the results of round 13. And we start on Thursday, January the 7th at the Quarry at the Pedredo. It is Braga 2, Maritimo 1. On Friday, January the 8th, we got in Madeira. This was a rescheduled match as it was supposed to be played Thursday and then the heavy rain. Same exact thing Benfica dealt with in, in São Miguel. Sporting dealt with in Madeira. So it was Nacional nil, Sporting 2 in a mud pit. <laughs> later on Friday, Benfica 2, Tondela nil. We'll talk about that one later in the show. Um, in in Vila do Conde, it's Riuav 3, Portimonense nil. And in Vila Nova, Family Cão. Hold on. Ah, yes, penalty pro Porto. Family Cão 1, Porto 4. And what was just... Uh, everything about that team is so damn aggravating. And... Gonna have to watch it on Friday coming up, as you know. Uh, we'll get to that later. The next, you know, the next round of matches in the Liga Nage have us traveling to the Stadio do Ladrão, and you know how it got that name. And I mean, this is just—it's embarrassing to watch this team play. Every time a guy goes to ground, the entire bench is up with their arms extended, yelling at the referee. They go onto the field. They leave the technical area. There are no rules for these people. There's absolutely no rules against Porto. Every time Teremi goes into the penalty area, he is going down if there is as much as a breeze coming into the area. Just such a frustrating, frustrating team to have to deal with. And I don't know how teams don't get more physical with them. I know they're not they are a big team. They have big guys and they better be because of the way that they just the way they play, if they had small guys, they'd be getting kicked and they'd be getting stepped on. But just absolute agony watching that damn team play. And they get three points again. On Saturday, Morirens and Vitoria Guimarães renew a Minu rivalry, a smaller uh, derby. And it is Morirens 2, Vitoria Guimarães 2 as... As Vasco Siabra debuts as manager of Morerense. And at the best, uh, Josualdo Freitas Bovista can only muster a 1-1 tie with Santa Clara. Sunday, two matches in Algarve at the San Luis. It was Ferenc 3, Gil Vicente 1. 
and at the Jamor, it was Belenes nil, Passos de Ferreira two. That's round number 13 in the Portuguese Liga Nage, and that is the news for this week. And on the other side of this break, we'll get right into the Women's League Cup Final, Port, uh, Benfica versus Sporting Braga at the Aveiro Municipal Stadium with the trophy on the line. Of course, this is the League Cup Final for last season being played this season, something that's becoming very normal in 2021 to be playing 2020 championship matches. But we'll be right back. As a, as you know, I am the Mr. Mike Agustinho. And, of course, follow on Twitter at Befica Mr. and on Instagram at Mr. Befica. We'll be right back with the women's match. And welcome back to episode 104. So we're talking ladies first tonight. And before we get to the cup final, we'll talk about the final match of the regular phase or of the regular season, if you want, whatever you want to call it, the qualifying phase for the Liga BPI championship round. And it is Benfica traveling or hosting, I should say, at the Tapadinha, their cross-neighborhood rivals, Football Benfica. And here's the 11 for Football Benfica, Jamila Martins, Catarina Carvalho, Catarina Pereira, Inês Salvador, Patricia Balão, Maria, Maria João, Sara Granja, Andrea Silva, Catarina Realista, Edith Fernandes, the former Portugal national team captain, the mo if I'm not mistaken, the still the most capped female player for Portuguese national team history. She's still going at it. Uh, she would get the start here, and she is the captain of this Fofo team, as they are affectionately called Fofo, Football Benfica. And Joana Flores is also in there for Fofo. Here is Sport Lisboa Benfica's 11, selected by manager Felipe Paton. This is her debut, uh, playing against her old club. Actually, one year ago, she was playing for Fofo while coaching in Sparta Lisboa Benfica's Youth Academy. So it's an interesting journey to the first team and to the manager's position for Filippa Paton, but she goes with these 11. She goes with Danny Newhouse in goal. The Brazilian returns to to the net. Uh, she would go with three central defenders. This is the first. This is she's arrived on the scene, Filippa Paton, the manager. And I was impressed with this. She quickly makes one, one real... Um, crucial change to the way that the team had been playing. Maybe it's something she saw as the assistant. You know, uh, having spent many, many years as an assistant, you see a lot of things because you're not so worried about changing teams and or changing players. You're not so worried about substitutions or tactical changes. And I think when you're the assistant, the first, second assistant, you do a lot of observing and you really start to notice things. And I think uh, she used a lot of that observation to do to conclude that this team was built to have three central defenders. So rather than trying to continue to convert young Anasesa from a central defender into a left-sided defender, when you have a Portugal international that can play outside defender on either side, she can play outside back on either side, uh, Filipe Paton decides to tuck, to, to tuck Anasesa in 
and play her as an inside third central defender. So she went with Katrina Amado as the right back, as always. The right, or, you know, the entire right side, essentially. But the right wing back. Three in the middle, starting with with Silvia Rebelu and then Carol Costa, and then, and then Ana Saisa comes in. And Ana Saisa actually played on the right side of this, of this um, central three with Mathilde Fidalgo being reintroduced into the team. She comes in and plays as the left wing back. Mathilde Fidalgo is a Portugal international who last season was playing for Manchester City and was not being utilized, and I think the manager here found a way to utilize her and to bring her on. Um, then in midfield, she would have Andrea Faria, and Andrea Faria, Pauleta, and Beatriz Camerão. As the three central midfielders, Jolene Amani and Carlotta Cristo were the ones selected to play in attack that day. So it is a it is a three four two one if you want. Um, and interestingly enough, this would be the final match for Carlotta Cristo because shortly after the match, it was announced she was going to go out on loan. She was going to go back to Valadares Gaia and and complete the rest of the season on loan with them. And that our, if you'll remember, our former player, Lucia Alves, I reported this in the, in the last episode where we talked about the women's team. Um, we brought Lucia Alves back from Valadares Gaia, so it's it's a recall of one loan and a a replacement with another loan between Benfica and Valadares, and this this would be the the final match for Carlotta Cristo at least for this season in a Benfica uniform as she would be subbed also at halftime as would Jolene Amani and Matilde Fidalgo, but Felipe Paton, remember, is looking forward to the League Cup final as well, and she's trying to get a a understanding of who she has in her team and who her players are. But she also goes into this uh, halftime nil-nil, which doesn't mean much. Benfica was locked in second place, and these points do not carry over, okay? So the loss to Sporting means nothing, okay? It means nothing. Everybody starts at zero points again in the next round. But she do- But we do get three, three substitutions at... Halftime, Ana Vitoria, Chloe Lacasse, and Nicole Reisla come on. And they replace Andrea Faria, Jolene Amani, and Matilde Fidalgo. And then a few minutes later in the 72nd, Kika Nazareth would come on. And she would replace That's she would replace Andrea Faria. Excuse me. Andrea Faria uh, played 72 minutes. It was Carlotta Krish, Jolene Amani, and Matilde Matilde Fidalgo that came off at halftime. So goals scored in the 62nd minute by Chloe Lacasse, in the 69th minute by Andrea Faria, and then in the 81st by Francisca Nazareth, better known as Kika. Benfica pick up the 3-0 victory and move on. Nothing much else to say about this match, and we'll move on to the one that is important here, to the cup final, and it is Benfica taking on Sporting Braga, like I said, Municipal Stadium in Aveiro. And this is for the League Cup Final. And it's interestingly just three days before the new League Cup it, it would start. But uh, we, like we said, the referee in this one was Teresa Oliveira. She did a good job. Here are the 11 starting with Sporting Braga. You have Marie 
Orahan in goal, the Irish international. Uh, Rayan Machado, Nigelia Oliveira, Agatha Filipa, Diana Gomes, Regina Pereira, Dolores Silva, Andrea Norton, Jermaine Siospasinwi, Cindy Koenig, and Myra Delgadillo, the American, uh, rounds out the Gareiras do Minu lineup. For Benfica, a few changes made to the way they had played at the weekend. Some of the things, I guess, were an experiment. But Carolina Villon returns between the sticks to be the goalkeeper in the back. Uh, back to four across the back for this one. As you have Silvia Rebillo and Carol Costa as the center back pairing. Matilde and Katarina Amadu are the two outside backs. With Ana Vitoria returning to the starting lineup. Partnering with Andrea Fria and Pauleta and Beatrice Quimeron in the midfield. And then Chloe Lacasse and Nicole Reisla are the forwards. And it was I wrote about this at, at MrBenfica.com, so we can get the you can get the the instances of the match there. Um my reactions though, I thought Benfica played well, but this match was very close. Uh the difference ha- as has been Every time Benfica and Braga meet, okay, we they've met now. I think Benfica have played Braga more than any other team um, that that they face uh, in the Liga BPI. They've played them twice in the league, twice in the Portuguese Cup, and now they've played them once in this League Cup in the group stage last year. Now again, so this is the eighth plus the Super Cup. This is the ninth meeting between these two teams in less than three years, and. They've all been battles, and uh, Braga have won once, I believe, maybe twice. Benfica have won the rest of them. I think there's a tie in there somewhere, but I don't have that information in front of me, unfortunately. But um, the difference often is not the the teams themselves. I think the teams play a pretty competitive match against each other, match up pretty well. The difference is Befica has a bit more in terms of individual quality, especially in front of goal, and they find a way to get the goals, and this, this match was no different. Uh, Braga had a hard time and was unable to, to convert any of their opportunities, unable to really... Uh, Really threaten even they had their they had they did get the ball in the goal once but that was called off correctly by the VAR. Uh, we're talking about 22 centimeters is the difference between onside or offside. And yes, completely different match. If if Cindy Koning's goal had stood, it would have been one one with like 20 minutes to play. Would have been really really um, really interesting interesting close to the match obviously would would both teams start to sit back and play for extra time would one team start to risk more than the other really would have been interesting to see but it didn't happen that way and actually Benfica have one called off themselves a night off a set piece the ball sent in by Pauleta it is headed on by a Carol. She heads it across the face of goal where Katarina Amado is running onto it. Katarina puts it into the empty goal, but the referee or the referee assistance flag goes up for offside. And after a few minutes, the Fabio Verissimo in, in the VAR booth at the City of Football um, validates the referee's decision and confirms the offside no goal. But then just before the stroke at halftime, very, very nice play. And like I said, I, I wrote about it on MrBenfica.com. 
It starts with Mathilde, and she she swings it across the edge of the penalty area. Ana Vitoria, with a nice bit of st- skill, flips it up over the Braga defender's head and then plays it into space for Nicole. Nicole slides it across the face of goal, out of the reach of Horahan, and running onto it. It's almost like it was a well-rehearsed play. Running onto it is is Canadian Chloe Lacasse, and she taps it into the open goal. But if he could go in at halftime, up 1-0, makes a big difference than if they go in and 0-0. And then in the 63rd minute, you get another beauty of a goal, as it is Paulita again winning the ball in midfield. And Paulita is on top form right now. Every time I watch this team, this girl is just is playing lights out, and she is just destroying everything that the other teams try to build. I I think that she has been absolutely phenomenal this season and continues to get better. And it's great to see her back at this form. I think last year her form dipped just a tad bit. Maybe she was being asked to do something different. Maybe now she's back in a more natural role. Uh, but she's really just this season taken, taken a huge step. And she has... She wins the ball here, and then she finds Ana Vitoria. Ana Vitoria, with great bit of skill, creates some space for herself, running at pace, and then fires a right-footed missile into the far post. No chance for for Mary Horahan to to get a hand on this ball. It goes into the goal. It's 2-0, and at that point, Befica are feeling quite confident. And then in the in 10 minutes later, a handball is called when the ball goes off uh, Braga defender's Diana Gomes's hand, uh, a bit unlucky, but it is it is absolutely handling the ball in the area. There's no question about it. Nicole Reisla steps up, buries the penalty kick, a practically perfect penalty kick. Otherwise, it would have been saved because Mary Horahan guessed correctly, spread out, and dove well. But it was just in an, in the bit of space between Horahan's fingertips and the post that Nicole slid that ball, and she hit it with good pace and. If you go win 3-0, the women win the League Cup. Another piece of silverware, and I've always said, you only get one chance to be first at something, and this Benfica team continues to be to achieve these firsts, and they are the first winners of the Women's League Cup. Well-deserved. They were the better side, no question. Yes, it was a good competitive match, but they were by far the better side, especially in terms of chances and in terms of in terms of converting those chances. And it's just such a joy to watch this team play week in, week out. As this was a very, very hard-earned trophy, and it's it's great that another one is headed to the Cosmodemio Museum at the Stadio de Luz. And I'm not gonna get on and talk about the video that surfaced afterwards, put out by the club. And you can see how forced it was. You've got Silvia Javillo and and Pauleta there standing in front of the camera forced to thank the president and then the fans but to mention the president and their thank you to the supporters chloe also put out a a video in english which was pretty awesome um it was her just saying you know thank you the this this belongs to all the benfiquistas and um it, it I just wish that they could leave the president out of it, to be honest with you. I mean, the club knows he's not popular, and it's like he's continuing to remind everybody what he did. No, he didn't do this. Yes, he he started the, the department, and yes, he brought in the players and, and, and found the funds, whatever. 
But these players earned this. He didn't earn this. And I really have an issue with, with that. And you could see in the faces of the players that they they were uncomfortable with this, as anybody would be. But I'm not going to say anything else about it but that. And um, Benfica would then, after this match, they had one more. to. They had to start their defense of the trophy three days later in Albegaria up north. And they would win 2 nil at Albagaria and advance to the new additions semifinals now. Goal scored by Kika Nazareth and Christy Uchibi. And now it's all about tomorrow or today's, rather today's Portuguese Cup final. I keep saying tomorrow because it was originally scheduled for Wednesday and then was rescheduled for Tuesday due to um, potential restrictions coming from the government in terms of travel and in terms of COVID-19, so Tuesday it is, and they're going to get this Portuguese Cup final underway. Remember, Benfica are the holders, the current holders of the Portuguese Cup. They won it way back in May of 2019 against Valadares Gaia, 4-0 at the Jamur, as a second division team that year, of course. And there's this is still the the addition of the tournament that followed that. So this is the final Benfica and Braga. Hopefully another trophy for the Cosmodomio Museum. Hopefully another trophy for the Benfica women's team because they deserve it. And we're trying to start a dominant a dominant force in women's football in Portugal. So it is off to a very very good start. And then we got the we got the league coming up very soon, and another chance at Sporting, and two more matches with them in an opportunity to to claim the one title we now lack, which is the Liga BP. All right, I'm going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk Benfica versus Tondela Liga Nage round 13 here on Mister Benfica. I am the Mister Mike Agustinho, and we'll be right back. Um, to all the Benficistas, we wish you could be here with us, waving your flags. Um, this one's for you. We're looking forward to having you in the stadium in 2021. I hate the music business, the way it always gifted. All the switch from being honest to cool and distant, new but not truly different. We got a ruling misfits, players and jocks while we playing the part of the coolest bitch. Ain't a high school movie, had a brace like Tootie when the news hit him. Only if you will listen, cause there ain't nothing new about the facts of life, dudes. So why don't you sit calm? If the shoe fits on, why don't you kick some? Huh, that good shit that you spit, amusement fun. They get you sit for two spins at music 101. It gets fun in the club, all done, unless I go numb. Make my flow dumb, go write a hit song called Fight or Run. So many idols come, so many idols go, but in the end, man, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And so, without further ado, let's go to the Stadio de Luge. It is Friday, January the 8th, 2021, round 13 of the Liga Nage Benfica 
versus Tondela Benfica coming off a disappointing draw in the Azores against Santa Clara as you'll remember a lot of that too to a a lousy pitch a a heavy pitch I wouldn't say a lousy pitch a, you know again there's so much criticism out there but um there's only so much you can really do about the weather and well I guess that that's all you got to say about that but uh, there's a lot of finger pointing out there that I don't think is justified, and and like I said, a lot of a lot of Azorian Befikishas have really had had been dealing with some insults about their their home islands or their homeland um, in the past week, and I think that's a little bit much and a little bit exaggerated. It it was raining biblically, and. Um, and obviously they weren't the only pitch that lacked any that lacked proper drainage as people like to say but it is what it is and we move forward too that's a that's a saying that gets said a lot nowadays isn't it it is what it is you know maybe maybe Nelson Verissimo was on to something when he said it maybe he's the smart one and we're all you know we're all still playing catch up <laughs> cuz i find myself saying that more and more nowadays but we're at the study of the lose like we said and Befica looking to turn things around and not drop any more points and not lose any more space to the leaders. And, of course, they want to stay level with Porto with that trip to the Dragon looming in the next round. Let's go to the lineup. So we'll start with the visiting Tondela. They're managed by Francisco Ayesteran, the Spanish manager, once he, interesting note: He actually um, was an assistant for Kiki Flores at Benfica, and he uh, he knows the Stadio the Luge. And his goalkeeper is Babacar Niasi, and he's playing in a four-four-two. The four across the back: uh, Tiago Almeida is the right-sided back. The experienced center back: Johan Tavares, the Portuguese or the French-born Portuguese defender. Ricardo Alves is his, is his defense partner, and Neufeld. Kaisef is the left-sided uh, defender. In midfield, four in midfield for Tondela, Pedro Augusto, Jaquite, Jean Grau, and Salvador Agra, a player I believe we had contracted not that long ago, if I'm not mistaken. Never really got a chance with any of the big clubs. Maybe maybe I'm confusing him for another one. I'm not sure. I'm actually going to check that while I talk to you because I have the ability to do that. It is 2021, and I have this information at my fingertips. And in fact, yes, he was he was a member of Benfica for a short time in July of 2017, and then went immediately out on loan to Sportivo de Zavs before going to Granada, Cadiz, Legia, Warsaw, and now um, on a free transfer to Tondela back in August. Good player, Salvador Agra. At least back then he was. I remember him at Nacional also giving us trouble, and then. In attack, Mario Gonzalez partners with João Pedro, the former LA Galaxy forward. Meanwhile, JJ sends Benfica out in a 4-4-2, the usual formation. And in goal, he's got, as always, Odiseas of Lacodimos. Across the back, it is Gilberto, Jan Vertongen, Nicolas Otamendi, and Alex Grimaldo. Midfield, the two in the center for this one chosen was Weigel and Pizzi on the day. And then wide, you had Rafa Silva on the on the right and Everton Cibolina on the left. While Darwin partnered with Harris Seferovic as twin strikers as we, we tried a, a little 
a little slight adjustment, which is something I've criticized JJ for for weeks now, not trying to even adjust anything with what's on the field, much less it's not always about substitution. Sometimes it's just moving pieces around like a chessboard. And um, he tries something different here. And I, I'll say right off the bat, and not everyone's going to agree with this, but this midfield functions a lot, lot better with PZ there. Now, PZ can't be the PZ that is our best option, you know, in terms of scoring goals and getting assists when he's playing in a two-man center midfield as a not really a true eight, but more as a, you know, a six and a half slash eight or just playing, you know, in front of, of Ulian Weigel. But his positioning in in comparison um, is just, it goes without saying, uh, Benfica much more compact, much more organized. And um, the only difference is now we're missing his his touch up front. But it, it, it I almost said it again. In the words of the wise Nelson Verissimo, I almost said it is what it is. Again, I mean, it, it, there's a lot of headaches in this team. And again, I've said so many times that this squad is not built properly. But this seemed to function better. And it didn't hurt that we had a Tondela side across from us that really didn't give us much trouble or really try to exploit anything that everybody else has been trying to exploit on us. They kind of tried to stick to their own game. And let's go to the ticker. As Benfica would start all right. It wasn't a great performance, but it wasn't a bad performance. What it was was finally a full performance, if nothing else. They played for the majority of the match. It wasn't one of those that we've become accustomed to where they play, you know, for 30 minutes, 40 minutes in the first half, and they look like they're going to be all right. They get ahead even, and then next thing you know, they... They don't always get ahead, but it is, recently they've been getting ahead. And then next thing you know, they stop playing, and they're completely on their heels and struggling to finish out the match. That didn't happen. They were close to letting the points slip. That doesn't mean that, but it was literally one isolated opportunity for Tondela in this one. In the seventh minute, though, Ricardo Alves of, of Tondela gets a chance, a header from outside the box. But it was saved in the bottom left corner by Odi off a cross from Salvador Agra. Tenth minute, it's Darwin Nunez's turn as he has a right-footed shot from the right side of the six-yard box. Close, but misses just right after being set up by Rafa. Move ahead to the seven. Sorry, move ahead to the 19th minute. Another attempt missed. This time it's Everton again. He has a header from close range. He misses right. He gets on the end of a cross from Grimaldo. And yes, Everton, I'm sorry, Everton, he he nearly gets another one on the board as he's trying to rediscover his form too. And I I stand by what I say that he's not playing his normal position. He's playing a position that does not really play to his strengths very much. If you go back and you watch Gremio last year and you watch him play and you watch him play for the Brazil national team, you know, I actually went back, I watched the Copa America final. I found it on YouTube. Brazil and Peru and I paid attention to him and you know he he's a left forward and we're asking him to be a left-sided midfielder in a 4-4-2 so he's logging a lot more kilometers than he's used to and he's using a lot of his energy running back and he's having a harder time getting into dangerous positions and when he does get there he, he's he's lacking the explosiveness to, to create the shot he would have one in this one in this match um, this wasn't the one, but where he would cut in onto his right foot, but then he would sail it high. 22nd minute, and it's Gilbert with the right-footed shot, this time from the center of the box. 
as he misses just right setup by Otamendi. Otamendi in fine form once again. I don't mind if I say so myself. And it, it does give me some personal joy to see Otamendi growing into the defender that I hoped he was going to be for us. It took some time. I he you know he met some unnecessary criticism before he was even given a chance. And he had probably the worst luck I've ever seen anyone have in the first six matches with a new team. Um, things that he didn't even necessarily do wrong, but luck just didn't go his way. Or the referee <laughs> the referee would call something the wrong way. But he's really um, really starting to, to become very consistent. And it's because he's playing more. He went a long time without playing. So there was going to be a rusty period. And there was going to be a, lear uh, a learning curve to Georges Zuzer's system. And I think... You know, all this talk of uh, of Lucas Verissimo, and I think this is the third different Verissimo I've mentioned in this episode. That net last name has suddenly become so common uh, among Befica Nation. But um, Lucas Verissimo coming in, I don't think threatens Nicolas Otamendi at all. What I do think, and JJ probably won't do this, is it's a perfect piece to play a three-man back line. And then you can use Grimaldo and you can use Diogo uh, Gonçalves to play as wingbacks. And you put two a double pivot midfield in front of them. And all of a sudden, I don't know, you're playing to your player's strengths again. But I, I digress. I digress. I'm not the man in charge. That's just what I'm seeing when I see the introduction of a guy like, like Verissimo. I think what Lucas Verissimo brings is he allows us to play with three across the back. You still have you still have a substitute available. You have Todibo, you have Jardel, and you have uh, you have Ferro. You'll have at least two out of those three. Okay, um, so I don't see the issue with playing with three at the back. It's you know you watch enough football and you see that this is the trend that the the game is going in. And sometimes JJ looks very very old fashioned, sticking to this four four two that I played twenty years ago. You know with the the stay-at-home holding midfielder, the attacking midfielder, very defined roles. The touchline wide midfielder, you know, on each side. And it, it's a very antiquated system. And it's it's been exposed by teams far weaker than us, but able to expose it because of the holes it leaves in it. Against today's, you know, against the, the closed midfields you play against and I think you know especially with Porto on the horizon you need three central midfielders if you're going to keep that monster that is Porto's midfield from absolutely out overrunning you like they have in the last at least four matches that we have had against them 24th minute and um, it is Seferovic with a header but it's saved it's from the center of the box PZ with the cross Seferovic heads it but it is saved Move forward, and in the 26, it's Peasy again. A left-footed shot this time from outside the box, but it's high and wide. Uh, he gets the ball from Rafa on a nice pass. 27th minute, and Otamendi has his sh shot at goal as he gets a header in the center of the box, and it is saved in the top left corner off of a Peasy corner kick. Uh, ensuing corner kick, though. They get another chance. This time it's Everton. Right-footed shot from the left side of the box, but high and wide. This is the one I alluded to just a few moments ago. And we'll move forward as the first half, there's a lot of this. 38th minute it is an attempt blocked. It's Peasy. Right-footed shot from the center of the box, and it's blocked by, uh, by Salvador Agra. And 
in the 41st. Jaquit with a foul on Everton. And we go into the halftime, you know, nil-nil. And though it didn't look necessarily good, I wasn't too too concerned. I thought Benfica were, were doing fine. I thought if they can continue as they were, the goal would come. My concern at halftime was, are we going to get the second half Benfica we've seen in the last three weeks that just goes to sleep and just it's just system overload or whatever and it shuts down. The 53rd minute though Benfica show that they're still coming out firing and it is Peasy with a right-footed shot from outside the box and it is blocked um after he had been set up by Darwin Núñez still in the same 53rd minute though it is Harris Safedovic with a left-footed shot from very close range all right as the ball gets knocked out to Darwin Nunez. Darwin plays it across the face of goal. Seferovic in position. He he gets his left foot on it and hammers it into the roof of the goal. It is a goal for Benfica. However, the referee blows a whistle as the flag goes up for an offside. But once the replay is shown, you can see that there is no offside. Darwin is on a side on the original play, which is where the, the question was. Harris Seferovic with with plenty of space to spare as he's behind the ball when it is played in to him. But if you could go ahead, 1-0. 57th minute, and we get another attempt for Seferovic. This time it's a header from the center of the box again, and this time he misses just right on the end of a Grimaldo cross. And now Tondela go to their bench in the 58th minute. Former Benfica property, if you want to call it that. Uh, A guy Benfica had under contract, never played for Benfica. But the Venezuelan international, John Morillo, Johnny Morillo, comes on, replaces Pedro Augusto. While Tomislav Skrali replaces Mario Gomez. And in the 61st minute, it's Darwin again with the header. But his header is just too high. He gets on a cross from Ulian Weigel. Weigel playing better. You cannot deny it at this point. A lot of people deny it, but it's not because he's not playing better. They it, The issue I think a lot of people have with Weigel is the style of game he plays. They don't particularly like. Yes, you can point to mistakes he's made. He makes a mistake here and there. Yes, he does. Yes, he's not a true number six. No, I agree. He's not a true number six. And he's caught out of position from time to time. But he has improved each match that he has played in the past four matches, at least. Since he's returned to the starting lineup, he's played each match better than the previous one. And ever since Georges Zouj said that um, he now counts on him as a as as a... a reinforcement and not as a player to offload. Um, his confidence has improved as well. His passing is good. He he, he this week in the Liga Nage completed more passes than any other player in the Liga Nage with 97 complete passes. Now, listen, you know I say all the time about what I think about sometimes those those statistics, but it is it is um, what he does well. So when he's not completing passes, something's wrong. But he's completing them. It's like I said. It's what he does well, and he's he's getting there. No, he's not a a six that is going to clean up everything the way a William Carvalho would be. And if William Carvalho comes, I honestly think it's it's still a three man midfield with William Carvalho holding, and then you put 
you put probably Weigel and Gabriel, if healthy, with him, in front of him, in a triangle. Or you can slide Peasy back into the midfield if need be. And you have Samadij as well. I still don't think that the future of this team is a two-man central, mid- central midfield. I think that's too weak for the modern game, and JJ needs either that or he's gonna or they're gonna start playing out of their minds. And what's gonna happen is, and by out of their minds, I just mean the rest of the team is gonna become so dominant. The only way this midfield works is if the dominance is all over the pitch, and because the system in this, how do I say this? The the Objectives or the, the the system of play that Benfica uses is so reliant on the flanks, okay, and on overpowering the the opponents on the flanks that we haven't done that all season, okay. Grimaldo's pretty good; he's been playing better. The right side, we don't have that type of player. Even with uh, if you have Everton and Rafa in there, yes, they can be that good, but they are also being required to come back very far to get the ball. So that means that the outsides out of the back are not necessarily uh, successfully transitioning the ball from defense to to offense. Okay, the two guys in midfield are there to be like fulcrums to switch the ball and change the point of attack, but they're not really there to carry the ball up. In this, in this system, that doesn't really work. Because you see, when we play a good midfield like Porto, whether it's Trapped, whether it's Pizzi, whether it's Weigel, Gabriel, it, we, you can take the last four or five matches against them as a sample. And every time we go to the middle, there's two, if not three, Porto players surrounding our player. Okay, This system leads to that if you're not successfully transitioning the ball down the flanks. So I think the, I think he needs to add a man in midfield. That's just what I think. That's my personal opinion. I could be wrong. I don't think it's so much that this guy guy A isn't isn't the right one and he we should offload him and bring in guy B and play X with Y. I think it's just a matter of changing pieces around. It's not necessary not changing pieces around, but it's just a matter of adjusting the pieces already on the field. That's just, that's that's how I look at it, and well, we'll see what JJ does on Friday. That's for sure. Moving forward, 66 minute Rafa with an attempt, uh, right footed shot from a difficult angle on the right. It's close, but it misses just right. And now we're in the 68th minute. Everton sees a yellow card for a foul on. On uh, Kasef and uh, George Jesus will go to the bench, and that's it for Everton. Uh, he comes off. Adel Tarapt comes on, which naturally means he slides central, and PZ goes to Everton's position. Or actually, it's it's even more complicated. PZ goes. Uh, he actually goes to Rafa's position. Rafa goes to to Subulinia's position, and Tarapt slides into where PZ was, and it took Tarapt two point seven two seconds. To receive the ball and pass it to the other team. Just going to know his first pass. Went directly to a yellow jersey. But I digress. Uh, substitution in the 69th minute for Tundela. Uh, Arcanju replaces Jaquite. Uh, in the 71st, Tarap does win a free kick in the defensive half. He's taken down by Jaime Grau. And he is prevented from starting the counterattack. 
is um, 72nd minute. Peasy goes in the book for a yellow card on Johnny Murillo. 73rd minute, and it is Salvador Agra with a great opportunity. Right-footed shot from outside the box, but he misses left after getting on the end of the free kick from Johnny Murillo. We move forward, and we move to the 76th, and, and George Zuz goes to the bench once more. On comes Luka Waldschmidt for Harris Seferovic. And um, Waldschmidt, a little slow starting in this one. It looked like he wasn't too into it at first as he made a few a few mental mistakes and was in the wrong place. Went left when he should have gone right. Checked when he should have swung around. But later in the match, he'll make up for it, obviously, by being at the right place at the right time. But before that, we have an attempt for Ulian Weigel in the 83rd minute. Weigel has a header from the center of the box, but he misses to the top right corner. He's on the end of another cross from who else but Peasy. 83rd minute. Two more substitutions for Tondela. Bebetu replaces Salvador Agra, and Suleiman Ane replaces Thiago Almeida. And then 86th minute, it is Valchmir with a left-footed shot from the center of the box on the end of a on a, of a beautiful pass from Adel Tarapt, but it is blocked by the defensive line. Now, Darwin Nunez appears to score a goal in the 86th minute. However, it is ruled off. It is ruled. It is uh, ruled out after a VAR review. A just minimal offside keeps it one nil. 90th minute, and it is Peasy with a with a left-footed shot from outside the box, high and wide to the left. Um, fall, he was set up by Nunez on a. You know, on a counterattack there. But in the 90th plus three, you could finally breathe a sigh of relief, Benfica Nation, because it was Darwin again. This time down the right, he would slide the ball in and he would find a wide open Gianluca Waldschmidt. And the German scores his sixth goal of the Liga Notch season. That's right. Luca Waldschmidt with six goals. Another assist for Darwin Nunez. He has a league-leading seven assists now. And Befica iced the match 2-0. Um, they would make a double substitution, in a triple substitution, excuse me, in the 90th plus five. On comes Pedrinho, Chiquinho, and Andreas Samaric. Off go Weigel, Rafa, and Pizzi. And there was a real, I noticed something, there was a real emotional, emotional embrace here between Rikosh and Julian Weigel as Weigel was coming off the pitch in this match. And um, I think you can see who is vouching for Julian Weigel in this staff. And I think you can see who wanted to bring him to Befica. And I, I had heard that before. And I forget where, but I, I was I was under the impression that between Bruno Lage and Rui Costa, they really liked Ulian Weigel. And it, it has been very frustrating for the player, obviously. It's been a very tough calendar year now for him at Benfica. But coming off the pitch on in this field, um, you could see a just a, a, a face filled with pride in Rui Costa's eyes as he as he embraced Julian Weigel coming off the pitch. So... We'll see where what the future holds for this team, but they pick up the three points. And uh, let's look at the stats quickly. Mefico with 66% possession for what that's worth. Uh, 21 shots to three in favor of Mefico. 
20 chances created to two in favor of Benfica. But in terms of big scoring chances, as Fat Mob calls it, Benfica with three, uh, Tondela with one. And that was the Salvador Agro one that forced a big save from Odi Vlakodimus. Benfica 575 accurate passes for an 89% success rate. Tondela 249 passes for 74% success rate. 19 fouls committed by Benfica though, which is good. They were committing way too few fouls. This is a good sign. Maybe this is another reason this match went better. And maybe this is another reason that the opponent didn't try to exploit us as much. A couple of fouls and maybe they won't want to go up the middle on you anymore. Um, so I, I like that adjustment if it was intentional. 11 corners to Benfica, none for Tondela. Benfica offside five times to one for Tondela. All right, let's go then to the table as round 13 of Liga Nage is complete. And uh, this table, by the way, has already been posted up at www.mrbenfica.com. You can see it there. Uh, Sporting still top 11 victories, two draws, 35 points. Four ahead of Porto and Benfica, who are on 31, four points back. Braga in fourth with 27 points. Right now sitting in a Europa Conference spot. And Passos Freira right now are fifth, looking at a European spot as well. 22 points. Vitória Guimarães are sixth, two points back with 20. Santa Clara up to seventh with 15 points. Maritimo is in eighth now with 14 points. Also with 14 points, Amorirense and Riuav in 9th and 10th, respectively. Nacional, 11th with 13 points. 12th is Gil Vicente, also with 13 points. And then we got three teams with 12 points. Um, the top of the list on goal difference is Ferenc with a negative 4 goal difference for these 12 points. Uh, then you have Bolinish, Sad, Bisad, also on 12 points, negative 5 goal difference. And Tondela, 15th with a negative 12 goal difference, one point above the relegation playoff spot that currently belongs to Portimonense on 11 points, also on 11 points, but with more goals allowed. Um, and I believe having lost the head-to-head match with Portimonense is Bovista, and Josuald Freira's got himself a job here to keep this historic club from being relegated. Remember when they were relegated? It wasn't because of their play on the field. It was in, it was in the, as they say, in the secretaria. It was in the, it was in the, um, in the cabinet, if you will. It was for off the field uh, reasons. So Josualt Freda trying to keep that proud club up in the first division. Right now, last place. I can't believe I'm saying this at the beginning of the season. I would not have have ever guessed this. It is Fumley Cone also on 11 points. So the three bottom teams right now all on 11 points. All right, quickly, we'll go through the leading goal scorers. Top of the list is still Sporting's Pedro Gonçalves, a.k.a. Pot, 11 goals. And then we have Seferovic with seven. Rodrigo Pinho, who you heard about in the news segment, with seven. Thiago Santana, formerly of Santa Clara, now playing in China with seven. Sergio Oliveira. These should He's got seven goals, five from the penalty spot, because Porto, you know, penalty po Porto. There it goes. I just said something wrong. Penalty. Somewhere in the world, Sergio Oliveira's taking a penalty kick right now. Luca Waldschmidt is next with six, as he he and Mehdi Taremi each have six. And then a whole slew of guys with five. It's Mosa Marega, Ricardo Horta of Braga, Douglas Tank of 
Passos de Ferreira and André, André, Vitória Guimarães. All right, we'll look quickly at the assist leaders before we go. And it is Darwin Nunez with six assists, top of the list. I think I had said seven. Uh, according to BTV, they have he has seven, but it here is listing him with six. And then with four, you have a, a whole slew of guys, about seven or so with four. I'll read them off quickly. For instance, Ryan Gold, uh, Porto's Sergio Oliveira, Benfica's Alex Grimaldo, Porto's Tecatito Corona, Porto's Luis Diaz, uh, Sporting's Nuno Santos, Porto's Otavio, and uh, Everton's Sobolinha is next with three. So that, those are the stats right now. That's where uh, everything stands. Next round, round number 14 in the Liga Nage is a big one. And I've already alluded to it, and it is where we're starting off. We're starting on Friday. Um, it actually starts off with the leaders Sporting early in the day, hosting Chihuahua. And then 4 p.m. Eastern time here in the United States, 9 p.m. in Lisbon or in Porto, wherever you are in continental Portugal. It is Porto Benfica at the Estadio do Ladrão. What is going? What shenanigans will take place this time? That's the only thing I want to know. Um, uh, I would say that the over under on penalties for Porto is at one and a half right now, and I'm taking I'm taking the over on this one. I won't be surprised if Teremi draws two of them in this one. Um, that match will take place Friday, like I said. Saturday we have Passos Ferreira Braga, Vitória Guimarães Farense, Tondela Boa Vista, and on Sunday Nacional. Versus Moreirense, Santa Clara, Famalicão, Gil Vicente Marítimo. And then on Monday, Portimonense host Bolanes Sad. That, my friends, is going to do it for this episode 104 of Mr. Benfica. This has been a production of the PTB Media Network. Don't forget to please follow and subscribe the Parking the Bus podcast. Um, daily episodes coming out now five a week. And I do admit it, it, it is a lot of work, but I am enjoying it um, each day dedicated to a different couple of leagues. And um, I hope everyone will check it out. Uh, it's also available up on the website at www.mrbefica.com. Like I said, there is a Spotify player on the website if you don't want to download it, if you don't want to subscribe to another podcast and have podcast posts every day and fill up your memory, then then you can go to mrbefica.com and there is a Spotify player there that you can just press play, not have to download anything, and listen to it uh, there. All right, thank you so much. I will talk to you again, uh, most likely, possibly, uh, now that I think about it, possibly before the Classico on Friday because I failed to mention uh, later today. We got Benfica traveling across, you know, Lisboa to Amadora and to face Estrela Amadora in the Portuguese Cup. Sporting already eliminated at the time of recording. Uh, the, that match had just concluded when I began recording this episode. So um, Maritimo advance. And I, like I said, a big performance from Rodrigo Pinho. Will he join us in the coming weeks? We'll find out. All right, it's sure to be an eventful month here on Mr. Benfica as we have uh, matches galore. We have big matches galore. We got Porto next, 
after the Samadora match. Then we got Braga in the League Cup semifinals. If we win that, we're in the Cup final. If not, we play, I believe, Nacional on the weekend. There's a lot going on, and um, I'm going to do my best to keep up with it. And uh, it's going to be hard to get just one match per episode for a little while, but I can't wait to get back to doing that. Hopefully in February when things start to slow down in the calendar, we'll wait and see. Uh, Perhaps February will be loaded with matches as well. Who knows? Uh, So thank you for joining me, and I'll catch you next time, maybe before Porto, maybe this weekend. Um, I don't know. Time will tell. I don't know what my availability is going to be, to be honest. I'm getting, I'm starting to get pressured uh, by some of my bosses in my day work, in my paid work, and so I have to kind of wake up. I can't, um, I can't slack as much as I have, and it's it's harder to to produce broadcasts every day. Uh, so we'll see. But I will be back in a bit, in a couple of days, with a Mr. Befica podcast. Um, and I don't know, it could be a women's. Cup final match uh, review. It could be a preview of the Clásico against Porto. It could be a review of all of the above. I don't know right now, but I'll be back in a few days. Thank you for listening. This has been Mr. Benfica episode 104 on the PTB Media Network. Mm-hmm.